This episode is brought to you by CompWest Insurance Company. CompWest Insurance Company is a dynamic provider of workers' compensation insurance in California and select Western states, targeting customers across most major industries. They are the Western states brand for AF Group, an A-rated excellent company who's collectively one of the nation's largest riders of specialty insurance. Welcome everyone and thank you for joining us. I'm Daniel Frizee, Vice President at Rancho Mesa. And today we're excited to speak with fellow agency principal Sam Clayton from our construction group. We're gonna to talk today about some important forms and endorsements uh, inside general liability policies. Uh, Sam, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dan, thanks for having me. Great to be back in Studio One. We're excited to have you. To get us started, let's get to know you a little bit better. Uh, tell us about your your family background, history with Rancho Mesa, and uh, the work you do within the construction group. All right. I've been with Rancho Mesa for 22 years now. I uh, was born and raised back on the East Coast in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Graduated from Penn State and moved to San Diego, I guess, 23 years ago. And I've got two little girls, Lola and Elsie, ages 13 and 10, and they uh, they keep me busy. Uh, so that's kind of my family background. And as far as the construction group, you and I lead that. And, you know, we work with the other producers and helping them build their book of business, as well as our carrier relationships that we have. Good. I appreciate you sharing that and uh, good kind of quick summary. So inside of that, let's kind of shift gears and dive into the reason we're here today. Uh, I think uh, we'd like to talk about three key topics and or terms that we both see within the construction insurance space. We'll start with kind of an overriding theme of, of residential work and, and maybe how it's defined within the scope of general liability underwriting. Can you expand on that a little bit for our listeners? Uh, that's a great question. A lot of times it's, it's a challenging thing to, to understand because every carrier is different on how they view residential work. So really as the as a policyholder, you got to understand what is included and excluded under the residential endorsement. So let's just kind of start out with what residential means. It's basically a structure that's intended for use or used in uh, human dwellings, including but not limited to condos, townhomes, townhouses, villas, co-ops, master plan, housing facilities, track homes, you name it. Um, but then there's some carve-outs that the carriers will do depending on uh, the type of work that you do. So really you want to understand what that is. Um, are they willing to allow you to do new apartment work? Um, will they allow you to do new assisted living facilities, bachelor and lister quarters, or military housing, hotels, motels? That's all going to be clearly defined in the policy. So it's, it's very important that you, the policyholder, know what's covered and what's not covered. So maybe in the most simple terms, uh, these residential exclusions, in a lot of cases, they're all they're all worded differently. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And so as a policyholder, if I'm going in and I'm reading it, I'm, I'm looking for exceptions, like you said, carve out. So where the carrier might give back some coverage. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And right. then, you know, also you got to take into consideration some of this 
the work that you're doing may be covered under an OSIP or CSIP. So, you know, like let's say you're building a new a new apartment building and it's a, a large project. That owner or general contractor may provide an OSIP policy for that specific project. So um, obviously that wouldn't be included in your practice policy. So you really got to understand what is and what is included. Okay. I know I think of that a lot and the OSIP, CSIP, you hear those terms all the time. An underwriter said to me, it's really just a project specific policy per your point. Correct. So that's uh, good to have that conversation. It feels like there's a lot of what we would call infill work. You know, a lot of that mixed use, you see the, the apartments on top of maybe a retail development on, on the bottom floor. Uh, so that's a good example, right, of, of the type of work that our clients might get opportunities to do, but they need to understand the scope of whether they're going to have coverage. Correct. And if they don't have coverage under their practice policy, is the owner or general contractor providing an OSIP or CSIP for that specific project? Sounds good. Appreciate that summary. Let's move on to something um we are familiar with, but uh, I think many trade and or general contractors can be confused by, and that is a subcontractor's warranty endorsement. Explain to our listeners, you know, what exactly this is and the importance of knowing how the warranty on your policy actually reads. Well, that's it's very similar to the, the residential exclusion where it's every carrier is different on the verbiage they use for their subcontractor warranty endorsement. Really, it boils down to you got to do three things as the policyholder. You've got to um, have a hold harmless agreement between you and the, the subcontractor. You've got to be named as additional insured on their policy. And the subcontractor has to provide the same limits that you currently have under your practice policy. And some carriers, if you meet those three criteria, there's no dispute as far as coverage goes. Some carriers will do a, a higher deductible where you, typically your deductible is you know, $5,000. If you have this subcontractor warranty endorsement, that deductible could be raised to $25,000. Or the most challenging one is where the actual coverage is voided completely. So it's, it's very important that you understand, read and understand your subcontractor warranty endorsement as far as so you know what's required of you when you're subcontracting work. So just to kind of scale that back, if we're talking about the endorsement itself, really it pertains to to generals and or trade contractors who are subcontracting work to, let's say, lower tier contractors. And the issues that you're talking about are all centered around that lower tier trade contractor, right? Correct. Okay. All right. So um, any any recommendations uh, for our clients and or prospective clients that they can do to maybe up-level their controls when it comes to subcontracted work? Well, I think, you know, providing the underwriter with a copy of your subcontract agreement as well as a couple sample certificates with the additional insured endorsements can help you as far as the pricing goes because they understand that you have a contractual risk transfer program in place. Good. Okay. That's uh, helpful. I appreciate that. I think we've, we've, we've talked about the residential space. We've talked about the subcontractor's uh, warranty endorsement. 
I'd like to kind of wrap up the conversation with some some education on on a term that that we hear a lot and obviously we're familiar with, but uh, that is the the minimum and earned premium clause. You know what exactly is the minimum and earned premium, and how can contractors perhaps use it to their advantage when negotiating terms and pricing through through their agent or broker? Well, it's actually called a minimum and deposit premium. Okay, so right. um, just to get clarification there, and really what that is is your policy. Let's say you have a rating basis of five million dollars annually in gross sales. The insurance company is going to charge you a premium, and if you go below that five million, you will not get any monies back. Obviously, if you go over that $5 million at final audit, they'll charge you for that additional premium. So what you want to do as a trade contractor is try to negotiate a lower M&D in the policy up front. We recommend a 90% M&D to kind of give us a little bit of a 10% cushion. So when we do that, really what you're talking about is your break-even cost for the annual policy period instead of 5 million will be 4.5 million. So it gives us a little bit of um, flexibility as far as getting premiums back. And, you know, we're, we're heading into some unknown territory right now with sure. the economy. So it's very hard for trade contractors to project what they're going to do for the next 12 months as far as their sales. And they don't know how much of their work is going to be covered under OSIP or CSIP. So by, um, by negotiating this upfront, this lower, this 90% M&D um, can only have a positive impact on your insurance program. Good. Good info. Appreciate you correcting me on that. Let's back up. If you're a contractor in today's insurance marketplace, what in your mind might be a first step that someone could take to learn more about their policies that are in place? I mean, you know, these policies are oftentimes 100, 100 plus pages, right? So where do they start to look? How do they begin to learn about these and, and other potential problem areas within their policies? First, I think you got to work with a trusted advisor and have them review the, the coverage policies, terms and conditions, and um, sit down with them and go through those, those different endorsements that could impact your program and then see what you can do to kind of negotiate better terms and conditions and make sure that you you're, you know you have coverage for the work that you're doing. So really separate a price negotiating, you know, problematic exclusions and and uh negotiating terms in general, those are all things that are done separate um of you know the work that your trusted advisors should be doing for for you already, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And you know, um, you know, we recommend, you know, working with your broker 120 to 150 days prior to renewal, you know, getting an early start on it because the, the sooner you start, the better pricing you're going to get. Good. I like that approach and um, appreciate your time today. I know it's been uh, short and sweet, but uh, I think the information you've shared has been really helpful for our listeners. And, and uh, I think that's a wrap. So we look forward to the next conversation and thanks Sam Clayton for, for joining us. Thanks Sam. Have a great day. This is Alyssa Burley with Rancho Mesa. Thanks for tuning in to our latest episode produced by Studio One. 
For more information, visit us at ranchomesa.com and subscribe to our weekly newsletter.